Philly is one cool, cool city that's really getting cooler. On Dave Kinchin Tonight. Well, we must begin, folks, by a statement from your humble network executive here at Dave Kinchin Media, the producer of Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin and this program, Dave Kinchin Tonight. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we work hard to be timely on these programs, uh, although uh, podcasting is designed uh, to have sort of a longer lasting life than, say, a daily news report and that type of thing. So we do follow that model, and that's why, um, you know, some stories, uh, some shows have much more of a news element to them than others, but um, overall we want to be current and within a few days, uh, discussing something within a few days of it being prominent in the press. Well, of course, on the Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin show, we just wrapped up a show, an outstanding show, talking about new music from Bruce Springsteen and, of course, um, you know, looking at, we're do, launching a whole series on on uh, country music. Um, you know, performed by perhaps the greatest country band out there, the Rolling Stones. Um, After a great conversation I had with a co-worker about this that just really gave birth to this idea. But it was unfortunately, and and by the way, this this topic I'm about to get to works for this show and the rock and roll show. Um, (laughs) Your humble uh, host and producer uh, failed to look at Twitter before doing the show and somehow did not see that Kiss rocker Gene Simmons was at the White House and the Pentagon today. Now, one show can be dedicated just to Gene Simmons and Kiss, and we talk a lot about Kiss on Rock of Nations with Dave Kinch. In this show, we talk about um, life observations, life issues, but of course, uh, politics and whenever there's political news going on. Somehow, between two podcasts, we um, didn't get to this soon enough. We Well, we just didn't see it when we were knee-deep in our show, our rock and roll show. And on this one, (laughs) we're we're talking about it now. It's news of the night, so we're a little bit more timely. Um, Our great audience likely listening to this on a a Friday morning. So Dave Kinchin tonight, this Friday morning. Uh, (laughs) Or Dave Kinchin tonight, this midday. Or Dave Kinchin tonight, this Friday, uh, recorded on Thursday. Whatever whatever you want to call it. Um, So... (laughs) I don't know how I missed that. I mean, I follow Gene on Twitter. I follow Paul Stanley on Twitter. And, okay, I got to, we, we can't, this is not a rock and roll podcast, so I have to be careful not to, my producer saying, you know, giving me the, the look like, you know, time's up. Yeah, I, I know, I know. This is kind of a podcast about nothing today. There's all kinds of stuff going on, but we're just kind of talking about um, everything, especially, you know, we're mainly talking about how, how you know, in all our time in Philadelphia, how we're seeing you know, expansion and certain things happening in the city that's really outstanding and, and, and wonderful. So we're going to talk about that in the just in just in a moment. So um, uh, producer man, just relax a little bit. OK, thank you. Sorry, folks. Sometimes our producer can be a little bit rude here. You, what, you heard that? I hope you heard that. I mean, <laughs> somebody's got to be listening to, to to make sure that the quality of the show is is is, uh, you know, OK, the report to the network executive's office. That's, you know, my office right over there. All right. I'm sorry, folks. We'll have to, ah, jeez, you know, forgive you. You see the things I have to deal with here. Or here, you don't see it, you hear it. Anyway, um, (laughs) so before I was so rudely interrupted by the, by the staff here, uh, (laughs) um, 
so yeah, I it just shame on me for missing that. Um, anyway, Gene Simmons was at the Pentagon thanking the troops for their service, um, which and he became very emotional when he was talking about his mother, who just passed away somewhat recently. I think within the last year, maybe has it been a year and a half? I don't know. It's somewhat recently um, when his mother. Uh, passed away tragically, and um, uh, she he became emotional talking about her time as a survivor um, in uh, Nazi concentration camps. Um, so, I mean, her mother or his mother is a Holocaust survivor, which is an out, just an incredible thing. Um, and he's talked about that a lot, and he's be- become emotional over the last few years um, when he's talked about it, but obviously even more so since her passing. So um, our continued condolences to Gene there, but also, um, you know, a very nice thing he did uh, honoring the troops. He met, he that was at the Pentagon, and then he went over to the White House. He apparently sh- shrugged his shoulders when um, was he was asked whether he would be talking to President Trump or not. Um, he's in the past voiced support for uh, President Trump. Um, he's been a little critical here and there on some policy, but overall has expressed sort of support for the business side of, of uh, um, what's going on, uh, you know, as far as uh, Trump's activity and, and the the work that he's, you know, done um, on the, in regards to economic policy and, and that kind of thing. So, um, and I'm sure that one more note on on Gene Simmons, but this is again because of he was in the nation's capital handling official business. So we'll get we'll keep this official here. Um, that's why it's on this podcast and, and not on the other one. Aside from the the fact that we forgot to mention it, but or we didn't see it is what it was. We didn't know about it. But um, you know, several news articles, including the Hill and other publications, called Gene Simmons. Um, he was called uh, the Kiss frontman, and uh, yes, he is uh, one of the two leaders of Kiss, and sings on probably most of the well, next to Paul Stanley, most of the songs. But Paul Stanley is the one front and center, and most people would generally say Paul Stanley is the frontman of Kiss. So let's just be clear on that. So anyway, uh, let's get all that out of the way. Also, others, other news: um, the uh, trade war with China heating up. Uh, Walmart says that uh, they're going to be trying to find other suppliers for uh, various products, but uh, customers are bracing, you know, customers uh, at a lot of stores are bracing for the cost of goods and, and services, uh, goods mainly to go up. So that's um, that's obviously a, a concern out there as well. And uh, some Philadelphia news, and this kind of, it, this doesn't take us to our Philadelphia subject. Uh, it's unrelated, but well, it's it's in the, the what's in common here is Philadelphia. Um, Joe Biden uh, is making uh, Philadelphia the headquarters for his presidential campaign, which uh, only underscores even more the importance of Pennsylvania in the 2020 election. Um, it, Pennsylvania obviously was critical. It's it's usually critical in most election cycles, but uh, presidential cycles, but was certainly critical in the last cycle. Uh, Joe Biden, a man from Scranton, um, you know, who would, you know, take the Amtrak uh, to home and back, um, you know, when he was a senator, of course, representing Delaware. um, But he was in Philadelphia many, many times and and has a lot of uh, political contacts and pull um, here in Philadelphia. So his campaign headquarters will be in Philadelphia. And uh, this weekend he's going to have a his first rally in Philadelphia as a presidential candidate. He kicked off his campaign, um, well, the first event uh, as an official candidate 
in Pittsburgh. Um, so he's really pushing. Um, he was there at a union hall in Pittsburgh. So he's really pushing uh, the Keystone State hard here. So um, we'll be uh, you'll well, um, I may even be covering that rally Saturday. We'll see. But um, um, how the anyway, um, we'll see uh, how that all uh, follows. We will definitely I can tell you this. We will definitely have highlights from it um, or discussion of it on this show uh, on Sunday. We'll be we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Anyway, um, so just a quick run through of some of the news items. Um, I, you know, what's funny on this show is it's, it's kind of been an evolving thing. Um, you know, it's before you know it, it's going to be like, uh, you know, are we going to try to compete with lifestyle magazine? We talk about, we talked about debt. Uh, we talked about millennials and, and, uh, fear of missing out. What else did we talk about? We talked about, um, all kinds of things. And by the way, we're coming to you from the busy downtown Philadelphia studios in Old City on Market Street where anything and everything can happen, sometimes nothing at all, especially in the more quiet hours, which is always great for the show. But we, you know, we do the show. Uh, it depends on schedules. We'll do it whenever we can. But uh, we always hear a little bit of the city, and that's kind of what keeps us going. You know, the energy of a big city, we love it. Um, so I was thinking about, you know, speaking of Philadelphia, just the fact that I've lived here seven years now and I've seen some incredible things in terms of expansion in this city. Um, years ago, when I lived in Michigan, I, I want to talk about just the, the sort of cool cities dynamic, um, which was a big thing back in the early 2000s. Um, I uh, worked for the Michigan Municipal League. It was a group uh, dedicated to helping mayors become better mayors, helping city council members become better city council members, helping officials do, local officials do a better job, and representing them on legislative matters before the, the state capitol in Lansing. And, and we worked with a national organization, too, that did the same thing, um, more focused on Congress and, and working with mayors and city leaders, township leaders all across the country. Um, and at the time, you know, there was an, an effort uh, to create cool cities, um, Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I was born, actually, um, was documented as being a, a, you know, what meant to be a cool, what was considered a cool city, which was um, a place where you had uh, a place for young people, um, for the the um, entrepreneurs, the folks doing startups, the 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 people who go to your universities, but you know you want to retain them in the state, or you want to attract folks who are graduates from other schools outside of state. And you bring them in and you make sure that, that they have a place that they can not only call home, but help expand the community. And, um, you know, so it's it's revitalization. It's, um, you know, bringing in uh, it, it loosely entails, you know, um, hip, trendy stores and, and restaurants and things like that. And uh, housing that is 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 competitive, but affordable at the same time. And all of these things. But the, the whole idea was, um, you know, having something to do for, you know, the the younger folks. And, and there was a guy, uh, Richard Florida was his name. This is off the top of my head. He had a, um, he had a book out in 2002 called The Rise of the Creative Class. And we talked about this at the Michigan Municipal League. Uh, where, it, it, you know, there were, I think if I remember this correctly, it was the, the, my, my boss at the time, uh, who was the executive director of the organization, told me about this book. We had a conversation about it, and he talked about the three T's. It was, it was talent, it was uh, technology, and it was tolerance. I think those are the three. Um, I'm pretty sure, you know, we'll, we'll you know, anyway, uh, this is uh, this is a stream of consciousness kind of thing. Uh, anyway, there were, those were the elements that were needed for, a 
a city to be cool and for a city to embrace the younger folks, the talented ones and, and everything else out there. There's so, uh, there was something that I briefly uh, looked at that I'll, I'll have to take another peek at and, uh, uh, you know, maybe bring this up a little bit more on the Sunday show as a follow-up, but um, where he was maybe changing his mind a little bit on some of the stuff that he had written in this book. But it was a, it was big. He was pushing, he worked with a lot of mayors and, and, and pushed a lot of city officials. And I, I don't, I'm trying to think if, if we even had him at a conference or so. I know that um, we had work to make our mayors and our city leaders at the time. This is, again, this is, forgive me, this is, you know, how many years ago? Um, 2002. So yeah, I was in my second year, first year, first full year at the Michigan Municipal League. Anyway, oh yeah, yeah, that was a long time ago. But uh, that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> but I'm shocked I remembered that much. Uh, the mind can get a little fuzzy after time, but uh, you know, uh, some good memories there and uh, most of it remembered accurately. So the, t the challenge was there before mayors. The challenge was there um, for, for all these city leaders to think differently. And I think in many ways, a lot of this was inevitable. You were going to see outside of the whole uh, rise of the creative class and, and everything, you were going to see cities, um, especially, you know, I mean, young people, they, they, they want to populate urban areas and they want a good city life. They want, you know, uh, great businesses and, and shopping and, and dining and trendy spots. So, so in many ways, all of that was going to come, but it was up to city leaders to really respond and make sure that they could make sure the infrastructure was in place to, to, to have all of that. Um, and so, in the last few years, I mean, I, I'm just seeing building everywhere. I mean, I, I've seen, you know, along the highway, I mean, even places where you wouldn't expect housing complexes, apartments, nice condos to go up, like next to bridges, next to the highways, and sort of, you know, we're seeing th them created in those very spots. So it's awesome to see that growth here in Philadelphia. I know it's happening in Detroit. Um, and with Detroit, it's a whole new level of renaissance, you know, because of, of I mean, they declared bankruptcy just a few years ago. You know, the whole city was bankrupt. They could, they were they couldn't keep the, the the street lights on. They they couldn't collect. I think they were only collecting was it a third of the tax dollars in Detroit. So I mean, I I was in Detroit, the Eastern Market, year a uh, couple years ago, uh, visiting family over the holidays, and it was incredible seeing what they did over there and how they turned it around. The old Cass Corridor. We talked about Jack White. I think it might have been the other show where we talked about Jack White uh, and how he, he put a vinyl plant there and, and there's all this development and, and everything. So there's revitalization taking place in a lot of different communities. Cleveland, there's a, there's been some redevelopment there going on, revitalization and young people coming in and, and, and the, the sort of talent class, you know, as I guess, uh, or creative class as Richard Florida would call it, you know. So I think he was on to something at the time. I also think that a lot of it was kind of inevitable in a way because it was just the perfect storm of success. You know, young people are, are coming out with, with in a world, coming out of school in, in a world with so much more technology, so much more to offer. It's more competitive as well, and they really have to sink their teeth into that somewhere. Um, you know, the, the age of the internet and uh, technology and computer programming, coding, coding is huge right now, you know, and you get the Google kind of jobs and everything else. I mean, the pay is outstanding. And of course, um, you know, it, it's it, the, the world, every, almost every aspect of life is moving into AI. So 
so you 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 had some of that that was inevitable, but there's also um, you know, and, and I think let me just say one more point. I think before I get into some of the 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 the, the, the concerns about it, um, you know, it it enhances the culture too. You know, it's great when you have people from a city that you know you have the folks who have been there all their lives who are embedded in the culture and rich in the culture. But then you have people, you know, uh, like Detroit, for example. You have people who come in from other places, and they bring their background and their origin and heritage or whatever and and they add something to it too so it 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 does create there's more of a cosmopolitan impact on the culture now some people like that some people have a hard time reacting to that you know um i mean in philadelphia there's parts of the city that are very young very trendy parts of the city that are very very much um you know young 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 um, but then there's the old neighborhoods and, and they don't like a lot of change. And, and listen, this is anywhere. This is stuff that you see and hear of anywhere. So there's nothing, I'm not picking on anybody here. This is just how, this is how it is, you know. Um, but the one concern, and um, I had to go back and look at that Washington Post article. Um, it was, uh, I think, last year where they talked to Richard Florida about this. Uh, or 2017, when they talked to, to him about, um, you know, the, he, he basically said uh, that there were some things that he would rethink. And my first thought before I even read f- to that next line was it must be gentrification. And sure enough, I mean, that's essentially what it was. He didn't say it that way, but it was the idea that you had all these people um, uh, the Washington Post article says mostly white, wealthy, young, uh, you know, techies and, you know, tech people and, and uh, entrepreneurs, whatnot, who were moving into urban areas. So they weren't moving just downtown. They were moving into what we talked about where you have, you know, in, in parts of the neighborhoods where you had some of the houses that have been there forever, people who have been there for, forever and they're blue collar workers and maybe they earn, you know, a, a middle income to maybe a lower income, you know, lifestyle uh, or, you know, uh, they've worked, you know, it's it just happens to be what it is, you know, people, because there's all kinds of, there's different types of people out there, right? There's, you know, there's all kinds of great people in, in every walk of life, you know. So the the folks at the the bottom middle towards the, the real bottom of the, the income uh, uh, meters, you know, were feeling pushed out, they were feeling squeezed. And uh, we've, you know, I covered many, uh, well, many issues related to that, but two major, um, I'll never forget, in maybe about five years ago, I covered a couple of uh, town halls where residents were really angry. I mean, they were angry that um, developers were coming in and building these these really nice houses and, and you know, complexes that was it what it what it did was raise the cost of property property values right but raise the cost of living as well uh and the cost of living going up was killing a lot of families i mean really killing their pocketbooks and at this meeting you had young people who were part of the folks uh you know investing and and part of the group 
that the developers had been targeting, you know, and they welcomed the change for the most part. They welcomed it. Um, many of them tried to reach out and connect with their long with the neighbors, the forefathers who have been in these communities since, uh, you know, forever ago. But um, but you know, but a lot of the older folks just weren't as welcoming. It's not that that it's not that they had a problem with young people being there. Uh, it's just that they were concerned about their livelihood and you know their whole world in one house and you know like their families grew up there and everything. That that's what I mean. And all of a sudden, they can't afford to live there. Where where are they going to go? What's going to happen to them? You know. So there have been major concerns that um, you know I've seen in urban areas out east, and and I imagine it's also happening in Detroit. One of the big issues in you know I, I keep saying Detroit because it's I'm trying to think of places where I've been to quite a bit over recent years. Although I've been to Baltimore too, I can mention maybe Baltimore. Talk about that, but um, you know you know I, I read some of the papers in my hometown. Uh, in Michigan, and and uh, you know, one of the issues is that all of the development, all the things that are happening, um, you know, the neighborhoods. Th there are some neighborhoods that have been left out altogether, or they the folks feel they've been left out altogether. Uh, so I think that there's there's good, and there's a lot of either not so good or major concerns uh, that somehow have to be addressed for other for cities like Detroit. Um, there's parts of, of uh, I think Baltimore going through this too. There's with with all of the great things that happen in the downtown or the main drags, you know, the the development you have there. They want to see some of that in their own communities too. Um, at the same time, the cost of that development in those communities is where you see the gentrification. But it's also it's just it's where you see the the pricing out. Um, which is, is um, you know, what is the balance? I don't know. I mean, how do you, I mean, you know, you, you definitely want, I mean, look, people are going to go where the jobs are anyway. And it's overall good for the economy to have all of this influx of, of people and, and, and raise the population. And, and, you know, as long as the jobs are there to support it, and, and typically it is. Uh, but, you know, it's a delicate balance for policymakers, and it's a delicate balance for developers and companies and, and that sort of thing. So overall, I mean, I, I like I said, I love what I've seen in terms of uh, the growth and, and trendy neighborhoods and, you know, Passyunk Crossing, for one example, here in Philadelphia, some great restaurants there, some great, uh, you know, uh, some, some new building uh, places where people are starting families. It's cool to see that next generation and to, to, to meet people from all around the world, you know. I mean, I've met people from all around the world who are moving in uh, to cities like Philly and calling it, calling it home, and, and it's, it's, it's a cool thing. You know, the world sort of comes to you after a while. But at the same time, you do worry about and think about the folks who have been there for a long time, and you, you want to make sure that they continue to have a, a, a piece of the pie they really helped build, you know. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just wanted to – I was thinking through it, and just it was on my mind, uh, you know, how, uh, you know, there's been so much growth. I mean, in seven years, I feel like I've been here uh, so much longer because so much has happened. Uh, yes, in terms of news and events and things like that, but so much has, has happened in terms of, of um, growth and 
I mean, parts of the city, like I was driving down uh, Baltimore Avenue one day and where you can see a unique view of the city skyline and it looks so different because there's three new buildings and you see these buildings from different angles and it just changes the entire idea and identity of the community. I think, like I said, overall for good. Um, so I think Philly, Philly is a cool city. It was always a cool city. It's getting even cooler and it's just fun to see it. And it's fun to be a part of it, especially as a journalist covering stories and, and, and interacting with different groups, including millennial groups too. You know, um, the big millennial conference that was here, you know, seeing so many, um, people with different origins and, and, and takes on how, uh, you know, what they'd like to see, uh, you know, Philly be for them too is, is it, it feels special. It feels really good, you know? And like I said, my only, you know, my only concern is I hope that the longtime residents, you know, continue, can, can feel a part of that without, you know, feeling like they're on the losing end of growth and advancement technology and, you know, things like that. You don't want anybody feeling left behind. And, you know, as we talked about with the whole priced out situation, but, um, you know, we continue to watch it and it just amazes me how I, with, with land use, I'm always amazed how much land still has not been developed. Um, there's some pockets of Philadelphia, but other cities too that, ha you know, of course it depends on who owns it and if it's reserved, if it's, you know, part of a park, whatever, you know, obviously that'd be a totally different thing, but also where they end up building even some of these, these streets, these very narrow street areas, um, you know, where they've got like a whole new structure going up and going up in almost no time too you know that's the other thing they put some of these properties up so fast you think how do they do it so quick um but uh i don't know i was feeling a little bit uh semi-nostalgic i guess you know on the policy side of it you know talking about uh you know the cool cities development and 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 uh you know what we saw in government when i was in it you know but also thinking about where things have gone since then um, a lot of good, a lot of concern that we address too with gentrification, but um, just you know feeling like you know you're you're in the middle of a, a revolution that's happening. Uh, you know, I just I don't know. I, I was excited and wanted to just share that and talk about that because uh, you know there's it's it's been neat. It's been neat being a part of uh, this city. It's been neat being a part of the East Coast. Um, you know, with cities like New York becoming so much more expensive and, you know, now still, um, you know, and people saying, you know, move to Philly because it's, it's more uh, affordable. You know, you don't have to make a fortune to live in Philadelphia, which is true. Um, you know, people from Boston. I mean, I have family in Boston, and they say that they've got friends moving down to Philadelphia because of the same reason. It's, you know, even D.C., people moving up from D.C. D.C. is very, you know, it very, it's, I don't think it's New York, but it's in terms of pricing, but it's still very expensive. So it's it's fun to see, you know, everybody kind of coming to a hub, which is right kind of right in the middle of the East Coast, a city like Philly. Very cool city, very cool place to live, and... I'm excited to be here. I'm, I've, it's hard to believe it's been almost eight years since I moved here, and, and I wouldn't trade it for the world, you know. Um, my, my just prayer is that everybody gets a chance to, to be a part of, of it, and, uh, you know, we, we win together. So uh, it's, it's good times for the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection and moving on forward. <music> 
Of course, it hasn't been just the big development and growth in population that I've noticed um, in the city and that I've covered in recent years, you know, but just many news events too, big, big things, some bad, but a lot of good, a lot of good things. And over the next few podcasts, I just, I'm going to go back and look at some of that in in terms of what I saw covering it, the visit of Pope Francis, you know, the Super Bowl, um, all of these uh, things that have lifted spirits and, um, you know, made people look at Philadelphia as a place where all kinds of good things are happening and, and that, you know, so we'll just talk a little bit about, you know, some of the big Philly stories and things that we've seen in recent years and, I don't know, share some perspective perhaps because, you know, it's stuff that, that's etched in the minds of residents here. You know, you walk down the street, you'll still see a picture of Pope Francis in one of the windows of a business from when he was here way back when, or um, you'll see, you know, obviously all kinds of Super Bowl stuff in the Philly special, the big play at the end, you know, uh, that won the game. So we'll talk about all of that as we uh, just over the next couple or a few shows, uh, you know, highlight uh, the great cool things in and of Philly. Uh, so it's Dave Kinchin tonight. Thanks, everybody, for being a part of uh, this show, as always, which is a national program by way of the East Coast and a city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's just great that way. Talk soon.